2: had to shake the dust off me golf jacket today, the waterproof one that is coming to work. Had to put it on for the first time in, I can't remember. It's a long time ago. Isn't it great to be saying that in Ireland? Anyway, our first real downpour in this neck of the woods in weeks and weeks and weeks uh, today, but it is due to clear away, as you'll hear in my weather forecast a little bit later on. I'm sure people are welcoming the, uh, the drop of H2O for the gardens, the flowers and the spud growers and the veggie people and everybody like that but there you go anyway the jacket used today hope i have to put it back in the car not use it for another while please god welcome to late lunch this midweek wednesday afternoon let's get straight to business to tell you about my first guest he's an award-winning mead restaurateur who has beautiful places in ashburn dunboyne and rotholt but in rotholt he must be driven to distraction that's all i can say because the man is trying to operate with a huge uncertainty hanging over his water supply. How can you do it, Russell Bailey? Welcome to the show.
3: Thank you very much, Jerry. Thanks, thanks. thanks. Uh,
2: not at all. Delighted to talk to you today. J- just remind our listeners what's been happening in Ritthold, what you've been facing and how long this has been going on.
3: OK, well, it's, um, it's been going on for years, to be honest. Um, the, the, the worst... Um was probably two and a half years ago when we were over a week without water. But um, it's kind of reared its head again recently. In the last six weeks, we've had nine days of water interruption of the business. Um, nine, nine days where either the restaurant the cafe has had to completely close, has had to open late or has had to close early. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of frustrated staff. And obviously, there's the, the lost revenue that goes with all of that as well.
2: So in result, your coffee shop is on the ground and above it is the restaurant. And I see as well, Father's Day, a big day, a big day for you guys in the hospitality sector. You were hit that day too, were you?
3: We were hit hit Father's Day. We had to close the cafe on Father's Day. Um, We were also hit, we we run an annual um, charity, Dog Walk for Dogs Trust. And we had over 40 dogs turn up with all their owners. And again on that particular day, which was the 11th of June, um, we, couldn't, we couldn't serve the people that turned up for the charity dog walk. The walk went ahead, but we couldn't open the coffee shop. Um,
2: business hit, uh, revenue, and, and you mentioned staff there. That's one, something that's on my mind when I think about yeah. you. It must be shocking for them that they're in work, they're told to go home, they're unsure. And yeah. I, I, the way it is, we all know today, getting good hospitality staff and holding on to them is not easy.
3: It's it's very, very hard to find staff anyway. And then to have to send them home early or have to tell them not to come into work, um, they're getting very, very frustrated and they're starting to look elsewhere. And as, as you rightly say, finding staff in the first place is hard enough. And ho- holding on to them under these circumstances is, is even harder. And there was, a, there was a meeting last night in um, the venue in Ratota. A number of ministers and councillors turned up. And one of the things that I, I was calling for um, was a wage subsidy similar to what was given during COVID, um, whereby staff that have to be sent home as a direct result of there not being any water to run the business um, should, be given, should be given payment by either Irish Water, by Meath County Council or some kind of government body. Were Irish Water there last night? Um, what do you think? No, surprise, surprise, Irish Water didn't show up last night.
2: They've issued statements, they always do. That's what I find about them. Um, you know, I've dealt with a number of issues involving them uh, on this show, and we always get the statements, but it's, 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 a, it's a strange thing. And Is it across the utilities? It's very hard to get somebody to come and talk to you face-to-face. Wouldn't it be yeah. great if you had a human being?
3: Yeah, it would be amazing if you had a human being. And it's actually going to get worse. We were told last night that at, at the moment the councillors have a direct line to speak to Irish Water. Um, through Meath County Council but the two bodies are going to be completely separate going forward. Um, So um, we won't even be able to speak to our local councillors for information because they won't have it to give to us. So we'll be left to try to talk to Irish Water who don't want to talk to anybody.
2: Now they are saying and and you're aware of this but just to uh, to be fair to them and and to let our listeners know they they are uh, doing substantial work. There's seven kilometres of old and problematic, they say, water mains uh, fr- prone to frequent bursts and outages, and uh, they're they're replacing that. That's part of the windmill reservoir and trunk water main to retote project. Uh, they're constructing a new state of the art elevated, uh, four point seven million liter uh, water storage reservoir, and uh, the uh, pipe laying and all that's involved in this. They hope to be completed by
3: the end of the year. Is that any use to you? Um, well, well, two things. First of all, I would say um, that it's it's it's. It's come very, very late in the day, Ratthouf, as a, as a village, um, we're constantly told it's a dormer village of, of, of Dublin because we've no industrial parks, no hospitals, no house centres, no garden station, so we're not given any priority at all. Um, but there are 11 to 12,000 people living here, and all of this should have been done 15 years ago. It shouldn't be shouldn't be like a knee-jerk reaction, let's suddenly try and get water to Ratthouf. This is... Over 10,000 people live in here whose lives are affected and small businesses whose businesses are closing um, and will close if something isn't done um, much quicker than the estimated time. Um, You say the end of the year. Mm. Um, I've been told the end of the year by one councillor. I've been told early 2024 by somebody else. And I've been told the end of next year um, in an email from Irish Water. Um, So... They say the end of the year. I, I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it will be the end of the year. Um, and, I, and I think and I know that businesses in the meantime will close. Staff will have to go elsewhere and maybe head into Dublin um, to, to, to find employment. Um, and it's, it's, it's now that we need something, not, not in a year's time or 18 months' time. Um, what we need is, if, if they can't provide water, we need some kind of financial support.
2: Yeah, they're saying, I'm just reading, uh, they've issued a number of bulletins on this, but one of them does say uh, the pipeline is going well and they expect to have that finished by the end of the year. You're you're talking about the supports, but in a way, those supports will help your staff, but it won't help your business. You know what I'm talking about, that if people come, oh, he's closed today. What's going on here? You know what I mean? You you can't, how do you support that? What can be done to... uh, Supply you with water. Is there any interim measures that can happen?
3: Well, I, I'm not the person that can answer that question. Sure, I, I, Irish Water and Meath County Council should be able to answer that. I've, I've, I've been told there are a number of boreholes um, are in, in the vicinity that could be opened. There's two pumping stations in the village that were decommissioned in 2012 that could be opened. Um, I. I I'm not a a water engineer so I don't know what the answer is but there has to be something or businesses will simply close. Listen
2: to this I've just got I'm here I'm trying to decipher things like they're They've been trying to do live uh, on RT the last few days with a certain story that broke there. Anyway, I've just got to to this part of it here and it says, let me read this to you. It is advised that as best practice, businesses would have an on-site water storage tank or tanks to provide a backup source of water in the event of a water outage. Uh, We do understand that this may not always be feasible. So it's back to yourself, Russell. You need to get the tank, have the water there and make sure you have a supply.
3: We we have a tank, we have a very large tank in the car park, but it supplies the whole of the shopping centre. And again, once it's gone, it's gone. Um, now, w- you're talking about the, um, the pipeline being finished by the end of this year. Mm. There's also um, the matter of the reservoir, yeah. um, which the, the, the existing reservoir has six hours uh, water storage. So if there's a pipe outage um, anywhere, um, or, or, or a burst main or whatever, there's only six hours worth of storage. Now, the new reservoir, I think you say it's 4.7
2: million m- litres. Yeah.
3: Um, it, only the foundations have currently been built. So when that's going to be finished, I have no idea. Um, and the other, the other thing that I found out last night, which was, which was kind of surprising and, and frustrating, when there is a burst main, the emergency crew are based in Northern Ireland. So any time there's a burst main um, anywhere between here and Staline, they they call the emergency crew out, and and they have to obviously get themselves together and get down from Northern Ireland. Now, it's it's almost like an oxymoron. Mm. They're an emergency crew based in the north of ireland like surely an emergency crew should be based locally
2: well you would think so wouldn't you you would think so and and that's if that's a fact that's that you're you that you're confident in that that uh,
3: uh, that is a fact that was confirmed by sharon Kiogan last night that the um they won the tender to become the emergency crew and there's nothing the local council could do about it because of whatever tender criteria they met um, They they managed to win the tender
2: I'd have to say, even being fair on this point, it's totally unsatisfactory, isn't it?
3: It is. It is. Yeah. And and the other thing we discovered last night is there is absolutely no chance of any reduction in water rates um, because that is against um, some kind of CIU legislation that uh, businesses have to be charged for water. Um, So um, we're kind of left in a situation where... If there isn't uh, a, re- a, a quick resolution, um, we will we, we will have to look to close.
2: That's horrendous. You employ what ninety people, do you, across your businesses?
3: Across the entire business, ninety yeah. people. Yeah, about fifty in the village of Rato.
2: What's the situation in Ashburn and Dunboyne in your other places? Do you?
3: Um, f- Ash- Ashburn has had one water outage so far um, this year. Um, they were without water for about a week, about three years ago. But um, as, as it stands, there hasn't really been any main um, issues in Ashburn. And Dunboyne is on a completely separate uh, water supply line. So that's been unaffected.
2: Mm, you see, you mentioned the population of Ritholt and it's the same <clears throat> along the east coast, right? In our whole catchment area here in Louden Meath where the population is exploding. We're Uh so close to Dublin, you know, and people want to live here. And yet we're being serviced by ancient infrastructure. You mentioned a village, you know what I mean? What's there was for a village, not for 11,000, 12,000 people. And this has caught up with us now, and this is the problem, so it is. We're we're lagging behind. You mentioned it yourself there a while ago. The only credit I can give is that the works are ongoing, they're onto it now, but that's no use to you over the next 6, 12 or 18 months, whatever this may be.
3: It, it doesn't help in the short term. In the short term, um, there's, there's, a, there's a real chance that I, um, I, I will have to close the coffee shop. I will attempt to keep the restaurant open uh, because that's my, that's my main business. Um, and, and obviously, they're all linked. So um, the, the, the business as a whole will survive. Um, but the coffee shop is, is possibly the first, uh, mm. the first sort of um, faller.
2: And there are others we think of uh, hairdressers, hair salons, people like yeah. that in the area who depend on, on water as well. I'm just thinking about you here and your ilk and people in the hospitality sector. What you've been through, if we just take, you know, since 2019, the COVID, the close down, the open, the close, the restriction on numbers, the uncertainty there. Then you come back and then this war in Ukraine uh, shoots up the price of, uh, you know, gas and electricity, all your inputs into it as well. Do you ever feel like saying, oh, to hell with this? <laughs>
3: uh, I do. Yeah, I do, in fairness. Um, but um, I've been in business nearly 20 years now. I've 90 staff, as you say, um, and uh, I'm not a defeatist, so we, we have to push on.
2: God, you're a mighty man and and and, and all, not just you, other men and other women in this business who, you know, who have that resolve and, and, and keep going and get up every morning and face the challenges of the day. No, no, no. It's not just, I'm not just saying it's hospitality. It's many of us in many aspects of life have to do it as well but in particular, you guys have been really, um, you know, impacted upon. So, after last night, you don't seem to have made much progress. You don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Is that the message? L-
3: last night, didn't answer any questions at all. No, um, the only questions it answered were in the negative, which was there will be no supports um, because they, uh, it would be against current legislation to give any supports. Um, in terms of time timeframe, um, different timeframes were bandied around. Um, I, I don't believe that we will be um, have a, a, a workable system within the next six months. Um, I, I think it's going to be a year at least, possibly 18 months. Um, so, you know, in, in answer to your question, last night didn't didn't give me any kind of satisfaction at all.
2: I'm sorry to hear that, and I do uh, hope that uh, this whole matter is expedited as quickly as possible. That's all we can say. People are crying out for help. I'm sure that message has been fed to the politicians last night, and we'll go on to Irish water, and there has to be real focus put on this, because one thing in Ireland I will say to you... Um, Things can be done quicker. If you want things done quick, they can be done. You know what I'm getting at? You can expedite, and we should be able to expedite things.
3: There was, there was a massive water outage in Dublin about six weeks ago, which was sorted out immediately. Mm. Um, I, ju- I just think that, that Rathof is kind of a forgotten town because, like I say, we, we don't have industrial parks. We don't have, like, big businesses or a hospital. Um, we're just kind of the forgotten town at the end of the line. Um, and uh, it just gives me a sense that just, just Ratote is the Forgotten Village in me.
2: Well, hopefully today, every conversation we are having and the meeting last night and keeping this in the public domain and focus might do something i might help that's all we can hope that it, it does russell you know oh, exactly. um,
3: and the other thing i'd like to say jerry as well it's it, it's not just about businesses and i don't want to be like mm. bleating me 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 um there are obviously other businesses but there's also the residents like i say it of is, course there's over ten thousand residents there's elderly people there's disabled people there's people that have children with special needs um that, that are all suffering um and, and, and the worst thing about it is, there's still plans to build hundreds, if not thousands, of more houses in the <laughs> South. And, and that just should not be allowed to happen until the water infrastructure is in place.
2: Of course. This is what we do in Ireland. We just repeat the mistakes of the past. We fire in the houses everywhere with no thought for infrastructure. Don't get me started on this or I'm onto this soapbox and I'll just lose the plot altogether. You've touched on something there that is a pet uh, topic of mine as well. I don't know why we just keep repeating, repeating the mistakes of yesteryear. Russell, look, I'll leave it there for today. I hope your water situation is sorted sooner rather than later. Thank you so much for joining me.
3: Appreciate it, Jerry.
2: Thank you. Take care of yourself. That's Russell Bailey there. Uh, he's an award-winning restaurateur, frustrated with beautiful places in Ashburn, Dunboyne. The focus today on our, in our conversation has been with where it's been so, so difficult. Come on, let's get cracking on this. More emphasis on it. And it's just not there. It's all over as well. I say that again. We... we, we What is it? What is it? You know what I mean? We want to build, 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 build all these more houses. What about the water? What about the services? What about infrastructure? What about, you know, uh, outlets for people, leisure in these places? It's an afterthought. Sorry, it's an afterthought in a lot of cases. It really is. Geldof. Bob, I love you. It's still the Banana Republic. 086-1800-658 Oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight by WhatsApp or text if you want to get in touch with us on the show this afternoon. We want to help a friend of ours, don't we, Louise? We're making an appeal to late yes. lunch listeners today. So, folks, here it is. Migraine. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who suffer with migraine. We have somebody who is really troubled by it. And we're looking to see if, we, if there's anybody out there. Do you know of anybody out there in the northeast or beyond, preferably in the northeast, who has a cure for migraine? I think we got somebody in the past, didn't we? I, it's a, it's a
4: I'm pretty sure somebody, somebody sent us in a list yes. of people with traditional yes. cures.
2: Yes, yeah, so this is important to us, to Miss and louise here. If you if you know anybody who has a cure for migraine, and we know that these cures are powerful things mm-hmm. and they're, they're real special talents that people have. Anyone know of anyone who has a cure for migraine? Let us know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text or give us a shout on the LMFM number. Bridge is there. She'll take your details as well. But if you could help us, we really, really would appreciate it. Ah, oh, Louise, I'm so sorry for somebody today. Can I tell you who? Yeah. Megan Campbell.
4: Oh, yes.
2: The Irish squad for the Women's World Cup. Our first time to qualify. They can only bring so many. Mm-hmm. Vera Powell has a, it's a tough decision. It's a horrible oh, decision to have to make. It's just shocking to have to make. And a number of players, for the players who've lost, it's not just Megan, a number have, but for Megan, who's a great friend of ours. I'm so sorry for her because she's been such a wonderful mm-hmm. Irish international soccer player for yeah. years and this would have been you know the culmination of her career she's coming to the end of her career now and she's just been marvellous and that long throw of hers she this was our mm-hmm. oh Louise she'd won the longest throws in the game it was a great weapon for Ireland you know in terms of tactics but she's not going Oh, she's Meghan. not even
4: going to Australia. No. She's
2: not going. She's oh. not part of the squad, so she's not. And I'm sure she's oh, this, devastated. Yeah. Mm. And we're thinking of her today. We really are. And we Oh But I, you
4: know what? They she has to take solace in knowing that we are there because of her.
2: She was part she of, was part of oh, the journey. Huge. Huge over the years. Huge, huge part of the journey Megan Campbell has been, and she should be so proud yes. of all the caps she's won.
3: So
4: many people don't get yes. even that far. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. But I suppose no words there's no consolation no. today when you're told you're not going you're not in the squad it's uh, it's just one of those things we feel for today we do Megan we feel for you and uh we wish you well and I hope you can deal with this as as best you can. And, uh, you know, uh, good luck to you with everything you do, because I know she has plans for herself on the football side in the future and they're going to happen for sure. She's simply marvellous. Um, how would you like to wake up today? I know you would, Louise. You'd be delighted with this. Imagine you woke this morning and you heard you were a year younger.
4: I'd be delighted. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't I know I, you? Everybody would.
2: Ah, oh, look. Would the, the t- anybody not? Well, in my book, the clock ticks on. But imagine, I know you. Yeah. You. you would, maybe. Maybe ladies in general. And and oh no, the heap of vain fellas as well. And of is course. this
4: like for real?
2: This is for real. Okay. Right. Yeah. South uh, Korea. Yeah. South Korea. Okay. Everybody's a year younger. <gasps> in the no whole way.
4: Country. You don't know this about me, but I really am from Korea.
2: <laughs> you're a book.
4: Honestly, you're a. Book. I am. I have the passport. I'll show it to you later.
2: You're a book <laughs> and I'll tell you that. But you do anything to get the ear back. You do anything. And so yesterday, you should have been mentioning kimchi when we were talking about takeaways. Kimchi I, is a very famous South Korean food.
4: Oh yeah, I know. You know? I, I really know how to pick oh. that. We have it every Friday. <laughs> uh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, look, I may let you in on the story. The story is that when South Koreans were born up until now, from the day they were born, they were regarded as being one. You
4: okay. understand? From yeah. the day in the they were born. first year, we say one. here. Okay. Then on
2: their first birthday, they were two. You understand? Yeah. And, and yeah. So they yeah. were out. At, we say we start at zero when mm. we're born, up to one. Okay. Not in South Korea. One the day you're born, two on your first birthday, three, you know, so on. The government changed it, and overnight. Everybody lost a year. You understand? That's brilliant. <laughs> they were just <adjusted> in it. <laughs>
4: Isn't it great? So if if you had a massive big, like last week, somebody threw a huge 40th birthday <laughs> party for you and you got loads of presents, you get to keep all that and do it next year again.
1: Yes! Yay!
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were always thinking of that <sighs> time. You are, uh, I knew, I knew. Said-
4: but, but, Go on. what about the politicians? So if you were... 18 yeah. last year, yeah, and you voted for them, yes, and then You're you right. discover that's a legal vote.
2: The government that's isn't, an illegal vote, the isn't Korean it? government it shouldn't, be. yeah, they'll have to be if a, there was an election, there'll have to be year. a general election, yeah. another one.
4: <laughs> they love that, here, <laughs> and, and they? as
2: you mentioned, politicians, you know, politicians here, I love this, and their <laughs> posters. Do you ever look at the posters for politicians and you look at them and think, who's that? oh gee, that's him 20 years ago you know the politicians putting the posters you ever see but isn't that
4: most social media kind of profiles anyway oh my god you, you pick the best
2: the, the photo po- the posters are I used to laugh at those and see them oh the god he's holding it well 20 years <laughs> It looks well for 60 looks maybe about 40. they're all
4: Korean <laughs> <laughs>
2: I have a word, but I'm not going to say it on the airwaves today. I'll just keep it to myself for the minute, to be honest with you. Anyways, there are you younger in Korea, all over Korea this afternoon. Uh, A migraine cure. Yes, thank you. I see uh, messages coming to us there. If you know someone has a cure for migraine, let us know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Coming up on late lunch after two, uh, we have Charles Coyle. The new roller coasters at Emerald Park. Would you go on them? You would? You would, you'd be, wouldn't you'd be afraid? Who, me? Yeah.
4: Oh, I oh, would. Oh, that's OK. I would.
2: We, we'll talk yeah. about this again at once I know that. Anyways, that's coming up after two. Charles Coyle, Nile Hatch will be here too from Birdwatch. We're taking us up to top of the hour, two o'clock. It's Westlife and our Ava's favourite song. It's from Miss Ava Flynn, who's on our school holidays from today.
0: No one knows about the things that I've been through with you. There were times I'd drive you nearly mental. But when you're mad you're still beautiful And I know that I'm punching way above So lucky that we fell in love Sometimes I wonder am I enough Cause you could have someone Without a belly or a temper Perfect teeth You know my lips are all I can hold against you This is all that I'll ever need You and I
2: Thank you kindly we have a number of names with the migraine cure and we will pass those on I do appreciate it and thank you again for your kindness now moving on on the show you know I keep saying it we love our wildlife we love nature on late lunch and we've been keeping an eye on what's going on in the European Parliament in recent days because this nature restoration law is really really important for nature and wildlife well Disappointing news yesterday because the Committee of Environment, Public Health and Food Safety in the EU voted ahead of the main debate and vote to come soon. And it was a hung vote, 44 votes for, 44 votes against, but ultimately it was defeated. So this committee will not now support the new law one of our valued contributors is Nile Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland and they have a particular interest as well and he joins me on the line disappointed Nile.
5: Uh, yes, it's certainly a disappointing result, but it's important to, to note that it's not the, the end of the story by any means. In fact, it's um, it, it, it's a setback, certainly, but the fact is it could even lead to, to greater changes, because what happens now is not that the law falls or anything like that. What happens is that uh, it now goes to a full session of the European uh, of, of the European Parliament, uh, most likely in the week beginning the 10th of July, uh, and then it'll have up there a full vote of all 705 NEPs will vote on that there. Um, we know that... Um, it's become very politicised, unfortunately, with certain what well, one particularly powerful um, group um, within group of, of national parties within uh, within the European Parliament not coming out against the law for various reasons that we would dispute. Um, it's clear, however, that some of the MEPs will vote against their own party line. It's such a serious issue. It's it's basically the future of our continents, the future of our economy, it's the future of our lives. It's so essential, uh, and um, there's been a lot of misinformation around it, and I think it's important that those are cleared up. I'm we certainly hope that uh, the MEPs will vote in accordance with their consciences and not in regarding, regarding any kind of political lobbying that may go on.
2: That group you refer to as the Europeans, European People's Grouping, of which Fine Gael, uh, one of the government parties here, are in fact members. And I hear talk uh, uh, from that group in particular to say that it'll put too much pressure and, on farmers' farming and food prices leading to inflation.
5: Uh, and I know there's obviously a lot of talk about food security and quite rightly about inflation at the moment. I think we need to look at the the, 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 the full picture here. Failing to implement laws like this will ultimately lead to problems regarding food production, food security and food in price inflation because our farming systems will collapse. Um, so that's that's what we're looking at here. Um, we need to stop always looking at things at such a short term and need to look at the long-term picture about what sustainability actually means. Uh, I think also what needs to be done is we need to know to understand that farmers and landowners who may be in, in the short to medium term negatively affected by some of this, they of course should be properly compensated for that. They should of course be um, be incentivised to, to to do things for the greater good which, which is absolutely vital. That of course is what the Common Agricultural Policy Funding is for. Uh, we need to be much better at living up to our responsibilities in this. Did, just to explain what, what what the law yes, is, please. What really is about. Yeah. Um, it, it's really, the Nature Restoration Law nature restoration has been proposed by, the, proposed by the European Commission and the aim is to restore at least 20% of the EU's damaged land and sea areas by 2030 and all the ecosystems by 2050. Um, now, if you consider um, that here in Ireland we have a particularly poor environmental record, we're below the European average on pretty much all the metrics across that, um, the fact of it is that in order to um, to mitigate climate change, in order to properly uh, evolve or, or make sure our ecosystems cope out with this, to make sure that our farming systems can survive, to make sure that our own uh, communities can cope with flooding and with more temperamental weather conditions and unpredictable weather patterns, we need to do more to restore nature to restore the loss of biodiversity that we have, which is one of our only, and definitely the main, um, I, I suppose, support that we have against against climate change and to trying to, to overcome and trying to cope with the effects this is going to have on us. Because, likely not, and, and who, who would like it, um, climate change is going to impact every single one of us in, in a very serious and significant way. And the only way that we're going to have any chance to try and ensure that there is food security, to ensure that there is quality of life, to ensure that uh, we have clean air, clean water, clean soil, is to do our very best to restore nature as much as possible from its already incredibly depleted state. Um, We're looking at a situation where we have absolutely destroyed nature across Ireland and across Europe uh, and if we don't it would go at least some way to try restore it and to try redress that balance we're all going to pay the price in the moment it's really that, that, that
2: Frank that is uh, a stark message and you would hope that when it goes out to the greater uh, body of the uh, parliament to look at that you know that those words you mentioned there will get through to people in their minds do you fear there are vested interests you know behind this
5: well, of course, there are vested interests in everything, um, especially something as as uh, as emotive as this. And, and obviously, our agricultural sector—it's extremely important. There's lots of farmers out there doing phenomenally good work uh, for uh, for for wildlife. I think that one of the one of the, the, the things that we want to, to make sure that is properly understood is this red herring of, of, of food security and negatively affecting food production. As it happens, food production across the EU is not currently an issue. Food security is not a problem. We the EU already produces more food than is required. Um, that's that's the situation Uh, we need to make sure that we're actually producing higher quality food we need to make sure that that farming is sustainable uh, and that uh, we can focus on quality and not necessarily quantity and we need to recognise that the way that farming is often carried out in Ireland is to the detriment of the environment which is to the detriment of you and me and everyone listening to us here and that is in no way the fault or responsibility of of the the farmers out there who are trying to make a living and who are doing excellent work for our economy and for for food production and so on it is the fault of the state and ultimately of the EU as well, for not making sure that more funding is provided for farming biodiversity, for farming for the greater good. This is absolutely crucial. And I absolutely hate when certain interest groups and and commentators try to see this as pitching environmentalists and conservation groups against farmers. Nothing could be further from the truth. We're all ultimately on the same side here. We in Borussia work closely with a great many farmers who do wonderful work for for nature. I always say if it wasn't for farmers there would be no farmland birds and that's really Mm -hmm. important. But in an era when we realise that 63% that Ireland's bird species are on the endangered list, where we have a situation where our pollinating populations are collapsing. One third of our bee species look facing extinction. It's, 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 a, it's a crisis. And um, this was recognised by Dáil Éireann back in, in May of 2019. They declared a twin bio- climate and biodiversity emergency. Uh, well, this this behaviour from the government and this, this action towards the, uh, the or, or hostility towards this uh, European uh, EU nature restoration law, it doesn't really smack of our suggestion that they really believe there's any kind of biodiversity or climate emergency. If we're serious about tackling that and making sure that the way that we live our lives here in Ireland is not having such a detrimental impact on ourselves, but on people in developing parts of the world, we need to do more to clean up our act. And this nature restoration law is a very important first step in that.
2: Do we forget, Niall, that we're but custodians? Well precisely right and I think that we need to not
5: think just of ourselves at the moment we need to think of our children and our children's children but not only that taking the wildlife away from it we need to think about how is this impacting people in developing parts of the world the way we live our lives is already causing misery for people around the world it's just set to get worse and worse and worse how does it look to them when we can't even do something as simple and basic as this which is in our own interests, but also it helps make a difference for them I think, it's, I think it's, it is that stark obviously from Burbank, Ireland we're a bird protection charity but the reason that we um, monitor birds so closely is because birds are sentinels of the environment. They're the most visible form of wildlife that we have. So through study work and conservation work, habitat restoration work for birds, we can see knock-on benefits for all sorts of other flora and fauna, which are just as vital. And because birds reflect changes in the environment, we can only see changes for good or bad with with bird populations. It tells us a lot about what's going on with the health of our soil, with uh, mammal populations, with insect populations particularly, how our plants are doing. We can tell all that from the birds. We have a situation where we see that 63% of our and the bird species have threatened, uh, it shows us that something has gone seriously wrong and this is the bedrock of our economy. We need to bear that in mind. Um, people are rightly worried about, uh, about inflation, rightly worried about food security. Um, we need to realise that um, fighting against nature is only going to make that worse. We need to work more in harmony with nature, we need to make sure we restore our nature. I think it's very important that so many groups across uh, are out there saying, through the European Central Bank, it would be absolutely absolutely crazy not, not to do that. Um, i actually, give you one mind, i I read a quote from the European Central Bank talking about this link between nature and service I think it's very important the European Central Bank itself is saying this it's very short uh, they say destroy nature and you destroy the economy um, and I think that's absolutely vital destroy nature and you destroy the economy that's yeah. it's as stark as that um, we, we, we like we humans like to think that we're somehow separate from nature that what happens in nature doesn't affect us nothing can be further from the truth and we need to do more to, to restore wildlife no question I
2: John Gibbons on with me last week here the environmental journalist and campaigner and he was so interesting about focusing completely on insects and you know they're a vital part of the chain as well and talking along the same lines as yourself and just before we finish today he said when we were finishing up and I think about this we talk about it there are thousands listening to us today and they think what can we do we understand we get what Niall is saying we get what John is saying and yes uh, the people we send to Europe and that as well don't seem to get it what can we do he said you've got to rattle the cage you've got to get on to your representatives
5: (laughs) You, you absolutely do. I think that um, we're seeing more and more that people in Ireland and the voting public and people who are yet too young to vote are deeply concerned about this. This message needs to get through to our elected representatives who are there to <laughs> to, to, to give, give effect to our wishes. I think this is, is really, really important. And there will always be lots of money and lobby groups who, who in the short term who, who stand, might think they stand to, to lose from this who can put lots of money behind this lots of lobbying lots of campaigning we need to make sure that, that is, we see through that and that actually what is looked at here is the long term benefits and long term interests of, of we as citizens but also the citizens of the world I think that's really important we have an international responsibility here uh, Ireland has often in the past led by example we need to do the same here
2: Niall thank you so much for joining me today always appreciate your input Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Niall Hatch there from Birdwatch Ireland. A nature restoration plan. We are only here for a short time. We'll be damned in the future by our children, grandchildren and those who come after us if we do not act on this. And really, we all have a responsibility to do something. If you can raise the hair, get in touch with your rep and say, look, we support this, uh, it would would be great. Read up on it, understand it as well, but... I see it round me even where I live at the moment and the uh, urbanisation of once I walked in nature and that and the destruction of all else. And I wonder where do the birds and the wildlife go when that happens. Do your best. Late lunch LMFM Radio. Guess where I'm going next? Yes, we're heading off to Emerald Park. Charles Coyle from Emerald Park. Big, big news emerging from the county mead venue this last uh, few days. Tell us what's happening.
6: Well, we're really excited to announce that we're opening a new six and a half acre themed land here in a spring of 2024. We've been working on this uh, since 2017, and it's a great privilege to be able to say that we're opening this new land, which we're calling Tiernanogue. Oak. It's going to have two new roller coasters, another new ride, and Restaurants, retail concessions, uh, loads of stuff going on in it so it's a it's a huge big uh, project and um, it's a it's quite a gamble because it's costing 22 million euro so it's uh, look I have absolutely no hesitation in saying that it will be worth it though it's it's going to be one of the best themed lands in Europe. I can say that without hesitation.
2: It's a huge investment indeed, but you are going to deliver on your late dad. Ray Coyle's dream.
6: That's correct. He, he This was the final deal that he did. Uh, he actually uh, uh, shook hands on the roller coaster deal um, and agreed the price and all the rest uh, w- with with the team, uh, which are called Vacoma. They're, they're the preferred supplier to big, big companies like the Walt Disney Group and things like that. And although Raymond didn't uh, uh, get to see the, the theming, um, he said to me, look, don't care um, at this uh, early stage about the small things like that. Bring it back to me when there's something substantial to look at and we can go through it. Now, unfortunately, he didn't get to see that, but um, I have absolutely no doubt that this uh, this would make him proud. He would absolutely love what we are building here.
2: Oh, yes, and he's on your shoulder and he's looking down on you. I know that for sure. Tell me about uh, this aspect of Tiernanog, the wave swinger. What's this about?
6: So you would have seen this type of ride in loads of other uh, fun fairs and theme parks around the world. Essentially, you're sitting in a chair and it is attached to a roof um, that is spinning around. Um, and it's a real classic uh, ride that is in most parks around uh, Europe. It's, it, 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 it's a great family-friendly ride, but the big... The big showstoppers are the roller coasters. Uh, one of them, and the names were were just keeping the powder dry on that for the moment. But the roller coaster that is really, really exciting and for the thrill seekers is called a suspended thrill coaster. So the track is actually above your head, so your legs dangle freely to the ground, and it is higher than the Coocooing Coaster. So I know you would love that. And if you're up for it, we'll put you on it when uh, when it opens and uh, you can tell everyone how good it is.
2: (laughs) Uh, Charles, I just have butterflies in my stomach here. The fear has gripped me. The hair is standing on the back of my neck. You don't know how much of a scaredy cat I am, Charles. Please, please save me.
6: Oh Look, um, when this opens, you'll have to do it. You can't say that uh, you wouldn't do it. It, it. It's going to be great fun. And look, if it is too much um uh, For you, we do have a really good family friendly roller coaster as well for those who are not uh um as much of thrill seekers as the other members of the family and that that 's a much more enjoyable ride but still fully themed um, immersive experience for Tiernanogue that ride so that one might suit you a little bit better if, if I can't convince you to get on the big one
2: Charles we'll see what happens when the spring of next year comes I went there as you know when the Kukulin opened your dad invited me I was there in the day I had a fantastic time but Charles I chickened out oh
6: Well, look, you'll have to do one of them anyway. Uh, When we open uh, in spring next year, you'll have to do either the really big one... The family friendly one or
2: the (laughs) Coo Cullen? Listen, the family friendly boomerang sounds like the one for me right up my alley. And I promise you, I I will do one of them. Just going back to last time when Coo opened and the buzz around the place uh, on that occasion. It really wasn't it it wasn't lost on me. The amount of people I think they call them coasters that came from all over the world. I take it you'll have the same again next spring.
6: We have a huge interest uh, already from them. So uh, when we do open next year, we're certainly hoping that they will make the trip over. But um, we are hoping for the coaster enthusiasts uh, to to come. They they have been on um, and fingers crossed they'll be able to come.
2: Oh, I'm sure they will in numbers too. Now, you have 3D models of all this. I believe you're going on the road uh, with this to show it extensively around the country.
6: Yeah so the model is going to live here for the summer in the admissions building so all our guests will be able to see what's coming next year but in September, October, November we, we plan to do uh you know uh, do a bit of a road trip we are going to take it to shopping centers to like uh, of things like the ploughing championships, Balmoral shows up in Northern Ireland and things like that. So we want everyone to see what is coming next year just to just to get uh, people excited for it and also to see what is happening. Um, So that hopefully they'll come next year.
2: Now, the work began on the new aspect of the park back in August 22. What's your gut feeling about this? Are you going to hit this date? Are you going to be open next spring? Are the two new coasters and everything else going to be in place ready to go?
6: Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. uh, We've managed to complete all the foundation work, which was the really hard stuff. And we've uh, we've got spring 24 etched in in our minds. Look, the good thing is spring, there's a couple of months there, but we have absolutely no doubt by spring 24, the end of it, um, it will most definitely be open.
2: Oh, that's great news. And you're rattling along at the moment. The park is busy and uh, people coming from all over the country to visit you.
6: Yeah, we've we've had a great start to the season. School tours were uh, a great success this year. People coming in and really enjoying it. and Hopefully they'll come back with their entire families over the course of the summer and And schools are breaking now today and tomorrow, and some even broke last friday, so um hopefully hopefully now they they'll um they'll think about us and pay us a visit over the uh, the coming uh, two months or so.
2: Oh, they sure will well look at I have a bit of time haven't I, I have about ten months to get up this Dutch courage of mine and get on these coasters and experience them for the, for myself. I'm working on it, Charles, I promise you.
6: But well, I appreciate that. I can't ask any more than that.
2: Charles Coyle, fantastic news. You're wonderful people. What an investment in County Meath. And good luck to you with the construction and all between now and next spring. And look forward to being there on the day of the big opening. Thank you so much for joining me on late lunch today.
6: No problem at all. Thank you for having me. Hey
1: baby, You really got my tail in a spring. Yeah. I don't even know it's a weekend, no But baby, I got one thing I want you to know Wherever you go
2: Levels of anxiety in children are rising. It's a fact. And it's now known that 50% of issues are there before the age of 14. Now, it's almost a year ago. I can't believe it since I spoke to my next guest because she's come up with this wonderful program uh, on emotional well-being for children called Little Sunflower. And Sarah Gilbert is with me again today because there have been major developments. Afternoon, Sarah. (laughs)
7: Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you so much for having me. How are you?
2: I'm really good and I hope you're good too. And thanks again Hi, for I'm joining happy. me. It has been a hell of a year for you at this. There have been so many great things happening to you. Uh, and you're nominated, aren't you? Have you been to Belfast or are you going for the for the awards thing?
7: Yes, and I have got through a number of brands, so I'm now a finalist. In the Invent Catalyst uh, Bank of Ireland Awards for 2023 for the well-being section, Good, so it's very yeah. exciting. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well so deserved,
2: thrilled. and I ain't surprised because I absolutely love what you're doing here. Just for listeners, will you just uh, bring us back? It is about a year ago, and tell us mm-hmm. that the the whole ethos and what's behind Little Sunflower, please.
7: Yeah, so Little Sunflower is an early intervention. Emotional Wellbeing Programme for children ages approximately 6 to 10. Um, It was launched, well, it was supposed to launch in 2020, but of course that didn't happen and we all know why. So it launched in September 21 for primary schools and it's been a great hit in primary schools, um, both north and south of the border. The teachers are loving it, the children are loving it and what's more, they are seeing a difference and it's helping children to understand about these big feelings because little sunflowers developed in a way that the characters involved, are animal characters, and they all feel the big feelings that children feel. So it's helping them to understand that they're not alone, that these feelings are normal. They're not nice, but they are normal and that we can deal with them because, as you mentioned, the rates of anxiety are growing exponentially, Mm -hmm. and especially in the last number of years. I mean, it's gone from... It, the rates from 7 to 16-year-olds in about 2010, 2012 was like at 10, 12%. And now, if I, well, actually, no, that was 2017. I think now it's up on nearly 20%. Yeah. So it's nearly doubled in the last five years. And, of course, COVID didn't help that. So we need to have something in place. Unfortunately, not all schools have access to programmes, mm. um, which is why we have now turned a corner and developed something something very new and something very different for parents to have access to.
2: Why, Sarah, may I ask you, what's underpinning this rising levels of anxiety in your view?
7: Oh, well, gosh, now you're asking. Um, I do think that since the dawning of a lot of devices Mm. for children, um, children are given devices more and more at a younger age. Yes. And when they go to school, this I do know from speaking to a lot of teachers, their ability to interact and communicate and manage feelings is, it's not there mm. because they're not getting the interaction the way they used to be. Um, and I understand, you know, parents are busy, they're working, there's a lot going on and it is easy to give a child a device. That's probably a controversial thing to say, but it is easy thing to do and it keeps them occupied while parents are trying to get the dinner. But it's not helping, I think, in the long run. And that is what I'm hearing back. Mm
2: and that's why that's one of
7: yeah, yeah it's one yeah, aspect, it's but, one reason yeah, it's, one aspect,
2: it's a major yeah. one I'm sure it's a, it's a major major one and you're right with yeah. that and uh, you know what I mean and, and this is where you come into this equation as well because as you said in in, uh, in terms of schools and interventions there from you know government or you know that type of area into schools it's just not possible and it's not getting there there's not enough of it and that's that's where you come in here so t- today why I'm talking to you is because you were in schools and you're in schools north and south of the border but Mm -hmm. there's now an online facility here for individual parents and guardians of children to tap into
7: yes that's what we have now developed it's an um, online interactive child and parent well-being pack so the idea is that parents can get involved in helping their children with their emotional development and help them with feelings, because a lot of what we need to do is to interact more, conversation, chat about mm. our feelings. I mean, it, you know, a child might um, overreact about something or be upset about something, but there's a reason behind it, Jerry. There's always a reason behind their feelings, but they don't know how to express it. So that's what Little Sunflower aims to do: is to help parent and child understand what's going on. So each of the little sunflower characters are based on a personality type. So Milo Mouse is the shy child, the quieter one, the one that hasn't got the confidence to put their hand up or or to speak out. Then you've got Lucas Lyon, who is completely the opposite. He's loud, he's boisterous, he maybe speaks out of turn. He's the one that maybe gets angry, but because he doesn't know how to express himself in any other way. Then you have Toby Tortoise, who is the quieter child, the one who doesn't come first in class, doesn't come first in sports and really feels it. Then you have Harriet Hare, who was always first, but it's their interaction and how they communicate with each other that they learn things from each other. All these characters are there to learn from each other and to understand that you know, even though we feel like this, other people feel like this too. We are not alone. Then we have Dina Dog and Kate Cat. That's a dynamic about friendships and the difference in friendships. And Mickey Monkey, who is a very talented little monkey, but doesn't have the competence to show his talents. So they've all got something going on inside and they think that they're alone with these feelings, but they're not. And it's only through communication, through, um, that these characters learn, well, gosh, I, I'm not. The only person feeling this. And when I work with children, that's what I find out, that they're kind of going, really? So other people feel like this too. And they're carrying this huge weight around with them. And and it's so sad because they don't have to. It's just a matter of opening the doors to communication and helping them to understand that we all feel like this.
2: We do indeed. I love your character names and the different <laughs> characteristics that they possess. They're beautiful. They really are. And just when you talk about Milo Mouse, you know, I know you, you know me and, uh, you know, you're quiet in your own way. But that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, deal with things and within yourself be, you know, strong and, 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 and you know, not feel marginalized or anyway. And can I tell you this? I, mm-hmm. was, a, I was a very shy fella.
7: Yeah, well, I am shy as well. You mightn't think it, but I am. Yes, <laughs> so, but... you know, we put on personas for yes. what we have to do, but yeah. the, the inside we might still feel we feel shy. And that's okay. There is absolutely nothing wrong mm. with feeling shy or feeling um, nervous. It's about saying, it's okay, I feel these things, but I'm not going to let it stop me. It's yeah. okay to feel it and then I can still move on and do the things I need to do or ask for help. If you
2: ask somebody who was at school with me right through school, I was a bit of a divil, all right, and I caused mischief. But in the class, I have to tell you, Sarah, I'd hide. I was afraid of being shown up, of being yeah. maybe foolish. And yeah. uh, I mightn't have been as good at certain subjects as others. And I'd try to avoid being highlighted or asked. You know what I'm getting at? Mm-hmm. I was like that. And I was a quiet fella as well. God knows. I don't know what happened to me in the interim, but something <laughs> did. Uh, maybe I got a knock on the head one night and something had changed me. But uh, I can empathize sympathise with, you know, that type of mm-hmm. scenario and personality in a classroom or
7: in life. I, I was the same. I was exactly the same. I would never put my hand up in class. So mm-hmm. I was a Milo Mouse as well. Yeah. Absolutely petrified in case I'd be asked a question and have to try and answer something. And, and as you say, I might think I know the answer, or maybe I did know the answer, but I'd be afraid of getting it wrong. I'd be afraid of um, the, somebody laughing at me, or people giggling, or being made fun of, or or, or even the worst for the teacher to say, "No, that's wrong." Anybody else? Because that is humiliation. <laughs> yes. And and it's and it's nobody means any harm, but it's just mm. how we as human beings react. Yes. You know, we're yeah. we're, we're we're just human. We have these feelings, mm. and you know, and more and more as we've spoken about, as anxiety levels are on the rise, we're not dealing with it the way we used to. Because yeah. in the ni- it was the 1960s, the average age for depression and, and anxiety was in the 40s, 40-something. Yeah. And now we're here we are in 2023, and the average age is 14, and it's getting younger.
2: Mm, and that but is... the,
7: the thing is, Jerry, we teach children life skills. We teach children how to ride a bike. We teach them... How to swim. They're all key life skills, but we're not teaching them how to manage their feelings. And that is something that is inherent in us. We we grow with this. It turns us into the adults that we become. So it's something that we really need to look at more.
2: It's so true what you say. It really, really is. Coming back to Little Sunflower, and this is the positive aspect, folks, of online. And I know we were talking about it where yes. you give ch- a child a device, now, which is totally wrong, and just send them off and hope they'll occupy themselves, which is where a lot of this difficulty stems from, as Sarah saying. But this is the positive use of online in terms of Little Sunflower. I have to ask you this. Is this to be worked through by the parent, guardian, and the child together? And secondly, a two-part question. Should we'd be working at this even when a child doesn't appear to have any problems and from what age?
7: Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with a child learning about feelings and it, it, it's it's part of life. Mm. So we don't have to be showing anxieties. To, and it will give us more compassion and understanding and empathy towards other people. It might help a child to recognise these feelings in another and be able to offer support and help to them. Um so sorry, what was the, that? Was the second that, part of your question? Yeah, no, no,
2: no, yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, it's for it's it's uh, for the parent, guardian, and the child yes. to work through this together online.
7: Parent and child can yeah. work through this together, so it yeah. is modular. So yeah. the first module it is an animated, interactive digital program with lots of resources, and you turn the, turn the page for each activity. So the first module. Is the story of Milo Mouse and all there's holistic skills there's arts and crafts, there's games to play, and that can take a couple of weeks for you to to complete all these tasks and as weeks go by, the little sunflower is there, so he's watching over and he's or it could be a she it, it, it's growing uh each week or each time the children complete the tasks so that is month one, that's module one, and then in month two, the little um Milo Mouse picture book of the story Mm. with holistic workshop and tools and breathing exercises, that's posted to you. So you can look forward to that in the post coming the next month. And that's for bedtime reading, breathing exercises, for calming, for helping children to sleep at night. And also there's a journal that comes in the post. So that comes in the first week. So once, once you've signed up, there's a journal sent out to you in the post, and that's for doodles, thoughts, and feelings. And all the characters are in the journal, and the children it helps the children to it asks them little questions. And how do you feel about putting your hand up in class? So each of the children can write, draw, a picture whatever it feels mm. right to them in how they answer these questions. So it's a whole year's pack. So as the months go by, in month three, you get the online digital pack of Lucas Lyon, followed the following month by the picture book of Lucas Lion. Mm. And that takes you right the way through the whole year. So it's you can do it as fast or as slowly as you wish. But the idea is there are little things there to dip in and dip out of. And there's conversation points. There's a a parent page as well to help parents understand what the objective is of the pack and how they can use each element of it to Mm -hmm. work with the child, help the child through discussion.
2: Yes, and, and and again, just to, uh, you may have an- answered it, but I will ask: What age? What age do you see this, you know, being introduced yeah. to a child from? What do you suggest?
7: Well, the little sunflower pack is ideally for six. This is ideally for six to ten year olds, or or a, a mature five year old. Yeah. Um, sorry. Um, so there's a phone call started. I don't know if you got it, but it was <laughs> no, coming in, all- in on my ear. Sorry right. about that. You're all right,
2: we haven't got um, it on this side. You're okay. <laughs> all right, that's
7: okay. <laughs> so there's also I'm actually working on material at the moment, and I've been working with um, a primary school principal on this uh, for back to school mm. for the children who are starting school this year and who are nervous, and there there are a lot of worries there for children starting school. So there is going to be an element of junior infants, high infants there as well, great. and how, how they can understand these feelings too.
2: Mm. Ah, terrific. I love it. I, I've said it before. I love it. And it's great that it has been made available now to mums, dads, people who care for children and the children right. themselves outside of the school scenario. Little Sunflower IE, yes?
7: LittleSunflower.ie is the website. Yes. And then um, even just have to look at it. If you go into subscribe Little Sunflower, you don't have to subscribe. But if you go in there, it gives you lots of information Mm. about what it is and how it's used.
2: Terrific. Great to catch up with you. LittleSunflower.ie, folks, if it resonates with you today. And you heard Sarah there talking about the issues that are there and from a much younger age. We will be talking again. Great to catch up with you and wish you Thank well you with Jerry. this. Well done, Sarah.
7: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Not Thank at you. all. Bye. Take
2: care of yourself. Bye bye. That's Sarah Gilbert there, the woman behind the Little Sunflower. Now, you're going to confuse the South Korean thing for listeners and me. <laughs> go on ahead. Tie us in knots. Go on. Away you go. Tie us in knots. Well,.
4: According to the news, mm. every South Korean birthday is the first of January. Every one of them. What? Yeah, they're all Aquarians, and you'll have to. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> big a run on ho- birthday cards.
2: Hold on a minute. Don't South Korea is a lovely country. There's a qu- heap uh, of Aquarians in North Korea.
4: <laughs> but honestly, it says here, right? You with me? Go on. Okay. Under the, the old system most commonly used in South Koreans everyday life people are deemed to be a year old at birth which is what you
2: said I earlier. I said that and they've changed yeah. that now so everyone's No, a year no, younger. it's a year,
4: year yeah, but a year is added every 1st of January. So a baby born on the 31st of January would be automatically one year old when it was born but the next day on the 1st of January, it's their birthday, so they're two.
2: No, you said the 31st of January, 31st, 31st December. of December. Sorry. Baby born 31st of December and the 1st of January, the they one. become two under the old system, yeah. but the one under the new system. Well,
4: they're not even, they're newborn, aren't they?
2: Yeah, but anyway, we won't get it. So you're saying, you're saying that... <laughs>
4: Everyone's birthday is the 1st of January. So
2: there isn't a cake, a candle or a card <laughs> left in South Korea on the 1st of January. No. <laughs> <clears throat> complicated it's complicated that's all anyway the, the, the message is South Koreans are a year younger yeah <laughs> is that um, all right yeah uh, <laughs> and pre-book all your cards <laughs> <sighs> anyway make of it what you wish we are not getting the same edict in Ireland it's only in South Korea anyway we're heading to the top of the hour aren't we Mrs yes, uh, yes. news weather and sport on the way and the company of, uh-huh, I bet you, you didn't know that today about the South Koreans
3: Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down
0: the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's...
2: The to number three from this very week in 1976. And I have to say, it's a song I love. The story behind it is that it was written by David Crawford and recorded by the wonderful Candy Staton and the... Uh, way it happened was they were friends and they met over lunch in Los Angeles and Staten was telling them about what was going on in her life. In fact, at that stage, she was in a very abusive relationship, which she got out of uh, ultimately, which was good news for her. And Crawford said to her, I'm going to write a song for you about that. And it's a song that's going to last forever. And boy, has it lasted. Yes, in the sweltering summer of 1976 on this very week, it was number three in our top five countdown. The wonderful Candy Staten and Young Hearts Run Free. There's just something about that song makes you... Makes me smile anyway and uh, makes me happy, I have to say, and always try to be young at heart. That's my message to you this afternoon. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. God, I'm just looking. We started the uh, show in Ritoth and we finish in Ritoth today. So real focus on the County Mead Village. Yes, TEDx is coming to town and we're going to hear all about it next. TEDx is coming to Rittholt, but why? What's the idea behind it? Well, the driving force behind it is joining me now. Donny Wiley, good afternoon. Hi, Donny. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. You're welcome to the show. Just to remind listeners what TED Talks are.
8: So TED Talks started back in the mid-80s and they started then develop conferences. And probably in the last 20 years... They give out licenses for local TEDx events. So it's independently organized. The sweet spot for talks are 12 to 14 minutes TED reckon in terms of people's concentration. So what we're doing is a series of short talks in our TEDx in Ratoad around the central theme of It Takes a Village. So that's, that's what really it's about. We have a few entertainers as well. Uh, including the fantastic Killian O'Connor from Britain's Got Talent is, is doing a spot for us, as well as some local singers. And we've had huge interest in it and. I'm afraid to say, for people who are interested, we're sold out at this stage.
2: Oh, no. So you can't go on this occasion. Young Killian's a great lad. He was in here with me uh, the day after he got back from the final of the talent show. You'll enjoy him and he'll love you too, I have to say. But it—it it is about, you know, it takes a village. And, of course, the full saying is it takes a village to rear a child. And, by God, uh, Ratoth is more than a village at this stage. Are you still trying to hang on to that village aspect of life despite the growth?
8: It's a great question. I I think it's probably the best Irish oxymoron that we we have a place of nine and a half thousand people, probably going up to 11,000 when we hear the census results. Uh, I'm living here 28 years. I still think it has a village feel. Mm. I think it's very welcoming. I think it's nice and informal people get to know each other and, um, you know, this is an opportunity for us to celebrate that rather than some of the things that we have to do as well about giving out about things. But this is an opportunity to take a a positive pause um, and to get local speakers in and supplement them with other speakers to do uh, something that's a break from the tedium maybe of traveling in and out of Dublin or up Mm. and down to Navan, something locally that's very special.
2: I know Fiona Buckley is one of your speakers and she's been a regular with us on the show here as well. She's brilliant in the whole area of work and HR. What other kind of areas and topics will you be covering?
8: Yeah, and I suppose a particular point on this, Jerry, is that each of the talkers are given something new. So I know Fiona is well known to listeners and is a fantastic person for us. To have. But she's sharing a particular personal story as part of her life journey, which is brilliant. The opening speaker we have is Matt English. Matt is the chief executive of Special Olympics Ireland. He's just back from Berlin and the fantastic success that our athletes had out there over the last few weeks. So Matt is going to share his story with us, um, a Wexford man, how he came to be in Ratold, how he came to be involved with Special Olympics. Uh, We've got Colleen Doherty, known probably to some of your listeners Another great guy. He's the man who carried the washing machine up Kilimanjaro. Oh, we know him well. (laughs) (laughs) Another great character. So we have that mixed in with people then who are less well-known. Some people talking for the first time, wanting to to share their story, wanting to get it off their chest or whatever. Uh, We have a lady called Siobhan Mungovan, who's just released her second book. Siobhan's from Clare. She's got spina bifida. And she's sharing a particular story about how we perceive and how we visualise and how we maybe compartmentalise people with disabilities in a way that's unfair. Um, We have a lady who is a principal of a school in Galway talking to us about how we can empower our children to make decisions themselves rather than all the time running to mammy. We have a local guy, Greg Marks, who is an accountant, but wait for it. A stand-up comedian as well. Mm. So he brings us some match mix of serious and fun and he shares his particular story. We're slightly teasing the stories to be honest, Jerry. Yes. We we don't want to kind of add that yet.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, you know, you've given us a good feel there for the different people and the stories and aspects. And the idea of this is coming back to It Takes a Village, these TED Talks are about. Provoking, you know, thought among people, perhaps then leading to something else with the audience, etc. That's really the essence of it, isn't it? To 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 do that as one aspect.
8: It, you're bang on, Jerry. It's and and people will take different things from the same speaker, mm. and that's the beauty of it. But it, it's to prompt people in a gentle way. It's to a lot of speakers leave people with questions to answer. Now, not not in an overly heavy way, but also. um you know, people will take it on board and, you know, process things themselves. But the big thing with all of it is we're going to have a bit of fun anyway and we're going to entertain people. And uh, at this stage, while I'm nervous, I can't wait for the day.
2: Mm, It's sure to be uh, uh, terrific indeed. And it is, folks, unfortunately, it's fully subscribed at this stage. Mark and the what's their aspect on this and why are they involved?
8: Well, I have to say a little bit of a... Irish job as well. I actually work for Markman and <laughs> so so um, we're uh, obviously, you know about us uh, from LFM and, and very strong we are in Mead and Loud. Uh, and our TDO is Jennifer um, on the ground. So for us, um, there's a natural synergy, I suppose, in that We're about empowering communities. We're about creating voice in communities to do with issues of importance. We've put a lot of stead in recent times around things like people's well-being. And we we have a fantastic initiative, which we're rolling out in the ag colleges. And it kind of links with our conference because a lot of our conference is about hope and positivity and, you know, healing and linked to what we're trying to do in motivating and activating local young people, not just farmers, because only a third of our members are farmers now. Mm. Uh, This works with this, and we'll have some people there on the day, and hopefully it's something we can take away and do in more detail with Mockburn maybe next year.
2: Mm, yes indeed Interesting uh, when you say The dynamic of And the make up of Makra is changing So uh, we started the show As I mentioned today With Ritoth and the water Difficulties that were there And it is a serious issue For the whole community there And businesses of course But on Saturday The focus is going to be on Thinking about, you know, the broader picture for the village there. uh, Hopefully, as I said, prompting thought and action down the road. I love the TEDx or the TED Talk format. I really do. And it's to the point and so comprehensive as well. Listen, I wish you well with it the weekend. And just nice to talk to you today and highlight Rithout once more. You're the centre of the universe on LMFM's late lunch today. Go for it. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks a million Jerry. Take care Thank of yourself. You. Bye, Donnie. Bye. Take care. Bye. Donnie Wiley there. Uh, looking forward to a big weekend in Tot when a, a lot will be on the agenda for sure. Um, forgot to mention to you, notice something. I know it's long and bright evenings out there and will be for the next while, but I met several people over the last few days when I've been out and about in the car on roads on the edge of town not in the urban area where there are footpaths but outside town where there are no footpaths and a lot of people out walking great to see but walking with the flow of traffic and i just wanted to mention today it's the most dangerous way to walk our roads to walk on the same side as the traffic is moving with you you must always walk into the traffic, meeting the traffic on that side of the road. And I just wanted to mention that before I finish today, a little thing on road safety. Do walk towards the traffic and be careful on the country roads. That's a lot on late lunch this afternoon. Paul McKennis on his way with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. Stay with us for wonderful music and more besides. And we'll be back on Thursday afternoon at 1.30 with your late lunch. See
1: you then.